Our sermon text this morning is Psalm 98. O sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Eight this morning and thinking about uh, this theme of joy and specifically thinking about responding to God out of joy because of what he does. Um, I love Christmas and this year it's easy for me to be joyful. Some years it's not, but this year it is. And as I think about Christmas at my house and putting up our tree and putting out lights uh, and playing Christmas music and playing Christmas movies at my house, uh, there are some people in my house that don't like it. I have some Grinches at my house that get a little uh, annoyed with my cheeriness this time of year. Uh, But I think that's normal. And as Chris has already prayed for us, sometimes we come to Christmas and we think, yes, this is great. And sometimes we come to Christmas and we think, this is terrible. For various reasons. There's a reflection that comes. Psalm 98 is also leading us to just that reflection, a reflection of joy to to ask our own hearts and souls, where are we? And as Paul asked the church at Galatia, what happened to all your joy? But what I want to lead us to this morning in Psalm 98 is the invitation of joy. We're invited to have joy restored. And even if you're like me and you like Christmas, and you like Advent, and it's fun for you, or you don't like it. The invitation for all of us is to have joy restored, to have joy intensified, even when it's dark at five o'clock, even when it's rainy and foggy, and there's no snow, and even when really hard things have happened in your life this year. There's an invitation here of restored joy. Notice three things about this passage. First, there's restoring works of joy. There's restoring worship of joy. And there's also restoring the world to joy. The works of God, our response to that 
and then us backing up and seeing that God is at work restoring everything, that he's bringing joy to the world. And so, first of all, let's just think for a second here about the restoring works of joy and see the works of God and see what God has done. Look at verse 1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. And this word marvelous here could also be translated miraculous things. That God has done miracles. He's doing miracles. And he's done a miracle here for his people. We don't know exactly what this miracle was, but he had done something and people stood back and were amazed at what God had done. It was a deliverance. It was a victory. It could have been referring to Egypt, of God taking his people out of Egypt. It could have been another victory over the Moabites or enemies of God. But we know that this was a miraculous work that the psalmist is rejoicing about. And so in some ways, picture this. This is, this is the after party or the after celebration because they won. They're excited about it. And the psalmist is leading them in this. It was a miracle that God had done. It was something that they knew they couldn't have done, but God could. Now, you may be saying this morning, well, I've never really seen a miracle. I've never seen anything supernatural or miraculous. And my answer to you would be, if you're a Christian, you've seen a miracle. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, and God made you alive together with Christ. But you were dead, and now you're alive. That's a miracle. <laughs> God did that. He did it in your heart. He's doing it in other people's hearts around you. And friends and family and our church. A couple weeks back at our Acts 2 group, we all went around and just were rejoicing about what God had been doing in our individual lives. And before we knew it, people were crying because we were rejoicing over what God had done. He had done miraculous healing and work in our individual lives. God is at work in you, and he's doing miraculous. And, and even the definition of miracle, the idea of a miracle, is it's anormative, meaning it's out of the norm. It's not something God normally does. And he's done that in you. He's done it in people you love. And yes, sometimes it's very physical of a healing and sometimes it's supernatural and spiritual in our hearts and lives. And so we see that here. We see that God was at work and they were rejoicing over it. And even notice here that he's at work creating salvation or saving his people. Look at the end of verse 1 and then compare it with the beginning of verse 2. As the ESV says salvation twice here, his right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. And then verse 2, and the Lord has made known his salvation. Now, those words are different. It's important to point that out. The first salvation at the end of verse 1 is what we're talking about, a victory, a war that was won. The second salvation here is a supernatural deliverance from sin. I think the NAS brings it out better than the ESV. The NASB says it this way, his right hand and his holy arm have gained the victory for him. 
the Lord has made his salvation known. There's two different salvations here, but they're both the work of God. God won the victory over the enemies, and God delivered them from their sin. They were both salvation that was brought from God. And what the psalmist is pointing to here is to say, God did both. We didn't win this battle. We didn't perform this miracle. And we certainly didn't save ourselves. This is God. Notice what else he says here. With his right hand and his holy arm. Whose arm? David's? The army? No. God. God is the one that has delivered them. And you think about David, who I'm pretty sure is the psalmist here in this passage. Of David saying that. David was known as the mighty man, and he had his mighty men. He was the best warrior. He was the best fighter. He had killed his ten thousands. But who's he saying is the one that's more powerful? God. The victory belongs to the Lord, not to any man. Any victory that you have in your life, it's because God did it. Any salvation that you've experienced, any justification of getting saved, any sanctification of being saved, God is doing it. He is powerful and effective. And his right hand and his holy arm do these things. I love what Ligon Duncan said about this verse. He said, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come again. And when he comes, he wins. He rules. He puts everything right. That is the Christian hope. Our God wins. I say this quite a bit at Easter. When we talk about he is risen, he is risen indeed. We also need to say it at Christmas. God wins. He rules. He reigns. He's the one that does this. See his works. And see his works that restore joy to our hearts. Also notice in verse 3 another work that David is bringing out. He says, he has remembered his steadfast love and his faithfulness to the house of Israel, to the house of his people. It's interesting, this is an interesting way of God saying here that he doesn't forget. God remembers, and essentially what is that? It's saying he never forgets. He never forgets to be faithful. He never forgets to show love. He never forgets us, the house of Israel, his church, his people. You don't have to raise your hands, but how many of us often feel forgotten, left out, marginalized? God never does that. He's never pushing us to the margins. He always remembers us, and he is faithful to us to show us his love. This is what brings joy. 
remembering again, <laughs> coming back to this again, to see the works of God, to see what he's done in us, what he's doing around us, to see that he has delivered us from certain things, to see that he is always faithful. And when we're confused and when we kind of get in a spiraling place of going, I don't know what's going on in my life and I feel this, we come back to this. We come back to the very works of God and remember what he has done. As David prayed in Psalm 51, restore to me the joy of your salvation. He's saying, restore again that joy. What a great prayer for Joy Week of Advent. Oh, Father, restore to us the joy of your salvation, that we would rejoice. And then notice the very natural progression here of, of seeing the works of God, seeing who he is and what he's doing, and then our response. Verse 4, as we think about restoring worship, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Verse 6, with trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the king. And then verse 8, let the, li the rivers clap their hands, let the, the hills sing for joy together. Four times in these verses, we hear the psalmist calling us to joy, to respond to God. What I want you to see in this psalm is that joy is always a response to God. We can't make joy. We can't manufacture it. Paul points us to this in Galatians 5 when he says it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a result. And so when you're saying, I don't have any joy right now, go to God. You're not, you, you're not understanding joy because you're not responding to him. Other times that we feel shame, guilt, and fear and other things... We're responding to something else. Joy comes out of responding to God, a fruit of the Spirit. If we go through the Old Testament and New Testament, we can see that joy is responding to God. Psalm 63, 7, For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. Why is the psalmist singing? Because God had helped him. God had delivered him. Psalm 71, my lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you, my soul also, which you have redeemed, responding to redemption. We could go through a ton of different things. I'll point you to a couple of Christmas responses of joy. When the wise men come and see the star and they, they're starting to move toward Jesus, Matthew 2 says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They saw something. Their response was the response of joy. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, when they went to the tomb and saw that Jesus was not there in the story of the resurrection in Matthew 28, it says this, Matthew 28, 8, that, so they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy 
and ran to tell his disciples. Joy is response. And so often the reason that we're not having joy is that we're not seeing the works of God. And sometimes we just need to slow down and back up and see God. Maybe for some of you this means calling a friend and just fellowshipping over the gospel. Having somebody teach you and preach the gospel to you again. To say, I need to hear this. Maybe it's you reading again through Advent readings and remembering Christ's coming. Maybe it's you just simply saying to God, very honestly, I need to see your works. I need to see your hand in things. This is joy. Joy comes as we respond to God. I remember as a kid, not being able to sleep on Christmas Eve very much. Um, I would toss and turn and just wait for the sunlight to come up, even a little bit of daylight, so that I could run downstairs and see the Christmas tree and see presents everywhere all around the tree. And I remember as a young kid thinking, this is the greatest day of my life at Christmas, that all those presents are for me, I did nothing for it. I didn't work. Uh, I was a bad boy all year, and I still got a lot of great presents. This is amazing. But then being able to go and open up those presents and enjoy them. Y'all, that's joy. We are given the gift today that God gave us, our Father gave us. Of Jesus. Don't just sit and look at the gift. <laughs> Open it. Enjoy it. Receive what Jesus has done for you today during this Advent season. Martin Luther helps us with this when he is talking about receiving the goodness of God, receiving the gift of Christ. When he says, if I tried to fulfill the law myself, I could not trust in what I had accomplished. Neither could it stand up to the judgment of God. So I rest upon only the righteousness of Christ, which I do not produce but receive. God the Father freely giving it to us through Jesus Christ. That's joy. Letting someone else care for you. And then responding with thanks and praise to what God has done for us. I think it's easy this time of year to get caught up in a cycle of anxiety, of depression, of going to spiraling dark places. And I want to encourage you to see in Psalm 98 a different cycle. David's cycle of joy of singing and praising the Lord, of looking to the works of God, and then continuing to come back to that. As C.S. Lewis said in his book, uh, Surprised by Joy, joy has indeed one characteristic and one only, the fact that anyone who has experienced it will want it again. 
That once we start to experience the joy of the Lord, we want it more. We want to do more for it. We want to find it. We want to ask God for it. This is the cycle that he is in. It's, it's what David is doing. As he's experiencing the blessings of God. He's seeing his works. And he's singing. And it even says here that he makes a joyful noise to the Lord. Now, what in the world is this? Is this bad singing or what is a joyful noise? It literally means that he's shouting to God. He's cheering. Uh, yesterday, uh, the MTSU Blue Raiders won in overtime at Belmont, and Coach West did a great job, and the team did a great job. It was a big win for them. People were shouting. <laughs> People were saying, yes, yes, sir, let's go, because they won. This is what David is talking about, shouting, let's go to God, shouting because he has done these great things. And then notice what he does. He plays instruments. He plays the lyre or a harp. There's trumpets. There's horns. They're rejoicing. Because God is the king, and he is one. I hope you see that this is Advent. It's again shouting, singing, worshiping the Lord, and responding to what he has done to know that his joy is what we long for, and his joy is what causes our hearts to sing and shout and play and worship him. So again, notice the response here as he restores the worship of joy. And then finally, notice restoring the world to joy. Verses 7 through 9 really are about the whole earth celebrating and rejoicing in the Lord. And why is this? You might read this and say, how in the world is a hill going to sing to God? Or how in the world are these oceans going to clap because of God? Charles Spurgeon describes this as a coronation hymn, meaning that the reason that everyone and everything is singing and rejoicing is because God is the king. And what is God king over? Everything. Every being. Every hill, every drop of water, every tree, every one, God is the king. And when the king comes, everything rejoices. Jesus is returning, and this again is what Advent really is all about, that he came the first time and he's coming back. And we rejoice. And even everything and everybody is going to rejoice. Every knee will bow before the king. Every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is king over all. Everything. Notice in verse 7. The sea roars and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. The rivers will clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together 
Again, what is this saying? Every part of everything rejoice when the king returns. This is exactly what Isaac Watts was talking about when he wrote the song, Joy to the World, based on Psalm 98. Let heaven and nature sing. Let everything. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. How, how far is the curse found? <laughs> what has been cursed? Everything. And what will happen when the king returns? Everything will be redeemed. All dogs go to heaven, by the way. <laughs> Why? Because the king restores joy to the world. If you like J.R.R. Tolkien or you like any of these stories about the return of a king, this is what Psalm 98 is talking about. The king is returning and there will be great joy. Y'all, this is Advent. Advent is just preparing us for the king's return and for when we go to heaven. And there's no more tears, there's no more heartache, there's no more suffering. That's when we will experience the greatest joy we've ever known. To be with our king, to sing together, to know that he is what we long for. Our joy is Jesus. Our joy is his great work and who he is. And so let us not just sing it, but pray it and live it. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let's pray together. Oh, great king, we do bow before you. And we know that if we don't sing of your kingship, even the rocks will cry out. And so this morning we come and declare again that you are great and greatly to be praised. We pray as we worship together that you would be honored and glorified. We pray as we worship together that we would respond to your great works. And Lord, we pray that you would give us joy that as your people joyfully worship and joyfully sing to you, that it would bring you greater glory and greater honor. Oh, thank you for your word. We pray that it would take root in us and grow, that we might be more like Christ. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.